Good evening. Uh, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, we'll be there in, in just a minute. So the other night, um, the other night we had some people over uh, at our house. We were reading through First, uh, Second, and Third John. And uh, as we're talking about it, uh, a point was brought up about just how how wonderful uh, fellowship is. And we kind of, uh, you know, John brings up those details within those books and different aspects of it. And we we discussed that for a minute and. The more we, we, we talked about it, the more we realized it's kind of difficult to describe the connection that we have with one another um, to people outside of the body, to people who, who uh, really aren't a part of that. Um, because when biblical fellowship is, is manifested, it's quite different than worldly relationships, even good worldly relationships. It's just, it's just different, uh, and, and it's hard to kind of put a finger on that. For instance, um, before I even moved here, um, before I even knew you all, we had fellowship uh, in some way. Uh, we had a connection to one another before we knew each other because we shared in the fellowship that we have with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Spirit. We are connected through the blood of Christ, even when we don't know one another. And that's, that's kind of interesting, uh, how we can have that type of fellowship. First John uh, 1 and verse 3 says, Well, we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So because we've heard the same message, because we believe the same message, because we have that faith, uh, we share that faith, there's a unity that we have, even with people that we don't know Personally, which, by the way, is why, as we were trying to move here, trying to find a house, I had to reject so many of y'all uh, for not being able to stay with you. I mean, that, because that's what Christianity looks like. That's what being a Christian, that's what Christians do. We share a faith, and so we share our homes. That's just what we do. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 1 makes reference to this fellowship, specifically the fellowship that we have with the, with the Spirit. Philippians 2 and verse 1 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete, by being of the same mind. So Paul talks about that fellowship there. But he, he takes that fellowship that we have with the Spirit, uh, God, with Jesus, and he takes that a little bit further. He says that if you have that fellowship, if you believe those things, then you ought to have fellowship with one another. So, uh, we already had fellowship before we knew one another, but that fellowship was amplified when we moved here because we got to know you guys. We got to worship with you guys. We got to take communion together, sing together, pray together, encourage one another in conversation. So that fellowship grew. It's stemming from that ultimate fellowship that we have through the blood of Jesus, but it certainly grew as we were able to worship with one another because we can actually be with one another. We can, uh, we can do these things. So Paul uh, points out in verse 3 that we can be selfless with one another. We can look out for the interests of others. Why? Because we know them. We know the interests of other people. We know the needs of other people. And so we can look out for those things. So the fellowship that we have through the Spirit, through Jesus, through God is amplified when we are able to be with one another. But, uh, to amplify that even more, there's another type of fellowship that's discussed actually quite a bit in the New Testament. Um, that we have fellowship with one another through the financial support that you all have given to me and my family. Um, 
Throughout the New Testament, this is, this is talked about. It's often translated contribution or sharing. But really, the, word, the Greek word there is the same word for fellowship. And so you all are sharing in that fellowship with me. And I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, Paul talks again about this uh, at the end of Philippians, Philippians 4. Uh, he's talking about uh, that, that gift that he has received from the Philippians. And he says in verse 18, he says, I've received everything in full and have an abundance I am amply supplied. I can echo that sentiment uh, personally. Um, Though I did not seek the gift itself, as Paul says back in verse 17, um, I'm very aware uh, of the quality of living that I have because of the generosity of you all, and I'm grateful for that. But there's something else that comes from this form of fellowship that, to be honest, I don't hear talked about very much. Uh, I haven't studied it very much or talked about it too much, but it's brought out in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul encourages uh, the group there, the Corinthians there, uh, to put together a a gift of sorts that is then going to be sent down to Jerusalem. And Paul actually indicates there that it seems as though those in Jerusalem who were going to be receiving this gift were aware that they were going to get it. And so Paul uh, is is kind of telling the Corinthians, hey, y'all need to do this. Uh, But also, here's how they responded to to that news. Look at verse 12. We often go to 2 Corinthians 9 uh, when we're talking about the contribution, as we should. We ought to uh, give cheerfully, right? But there's some context there that I think is extremely helpful. Verse 12, For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. As I, as I think about myself, as I think about others who I know who have received this type of gift, as I think about Paul in this particular passage, the gift not only supplies the needs of the people receiving it. It certainly does that, and, uh, and we, we, anyone benefiting from that ought to be thankful for that. But what else does Paul say? He says that it creates a sense of thanksgiving. There's thanksgiving to God as a result of this, verse 12. The gift that, that has been given is a cause to glorify God. Isn't that a great blessing? That because of something you have done, God is glorified? That's what Paul points out here, that that gift is glorifying God. Look at verse 13. It serves as proof of obedience. It's a testimony to those, those who are receiving the gift, that financial gift, is proof of obedience. That that person knows that the people who are giving are obeying God in this. And because of that obedience, there is rejoicing that can happen. There is glorifying God that can happen. Because of that obedience, there is is this, uh, this comfort in knowing that you all care about the spread of the gospel. Sure, you're very thankful to God for the things that you have, and so you give to show that thanks. But you also give because you care about the spread of the gospel. That is, that is obedience to God that I think Paul is pointing out here. And then look at verse 14. Look at how he describes that gift. The gift is described as the surpassing grace of God. There, there is a sense in which God's grace is shown through this giving through taking care of one another, financially speaking. 
by looking out for the needs of others, financially speaking, by showing that kind of gift, showing that kind of love, taking care of one another. I'm the beneficiary of, of God's grace through you. And what a wonderful reminder that is for me. But it must not be forgotten that this gift, this, this fellowship of funds, this ministry, as Paul puts it, really just overflows from that indescribable gift, as it talks about in verse 15. That indescribable gift that we have through, through Jesus. Our fellowship is, sure, amplified through the fact that we can be together. It's amplified through this financial support, but it stems from Christ. It, 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 it should point our direction back up to God and glorify Him for these wonderful things that are going on. We praise God for that gift. We praise Him for that fellowship. But in addition to the financial support that you give uh, both Bob and me, we all participate in the financial support of 10 other men um, at this congregation. I don't know if you can read that at all. Um, 10 other men uh, around the world uh, we, we support here. Of these men, I'll be honest, I only know one of them. Uh, personally speaking, I know Joe. Uh, Joe Hickman, I've uh, been able to encourage and be encouraged by him and song and prayer and all those things. The rest of them I don't really know. However, I'm going to guess you all do know some of them. Uh, however, even if you don't, there is biblical precedence for supporting people that you don't, do not know personally. Um, there's reason to believe that Paul was being financially supported by the church at Colossae, even though in Colossians chapter 2, Paul points out that he'd never been there. He never met them before. So Paul was able to share in that first and third form of fellowship, as I put on the board uh, before, but not that second one. He wasn't actually able to be there uh, with them. So there is some biblical precedence to that. Again, an aspect of the grace of God, an aspect of fellowship that's really hard to describe to people of the world. Why is it that we are just sending money to people that we don't particularly know? Um, now, I will say someone in this room knows them. Uh, we're not just giving it out to, to, to people who ask for it. But at the same time, those who we know um, uh, through one way or, or another are being supported to spread the gospel. And throughout Paul's letters, throughout the book of Acts, we see examples of this. Maybe not exactly the way we see it in Colossians, but we see it in, in different ways where there is financial support as well as a relationship between the two groups. So if you look at Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 4, uh, Paul points out the relationship, uh, uh, some information that he had learned from them. He says, We have heard of the faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. We just read earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 about how uh, the saints in, in Jerusalem were thankful for receiving a gift. Well, now Paul is on the receiving end of that gift. Paul is the one rejoicing. Paul is the one praising God for the faith and love of the Colossians. And perhaps, perhaps out of the uh, gratitude, a sense of gratitude, a, a sense of obligation maybe, Paul writes this letter of encouragement uh, to the Christians in, in Colossae. Um, but we also see at the end of, of that book, in uh, Colossians 4, verses 7 through 9, perhaps wishing to continue or, or strengthen that relationship, he, he says that he's going to be sending a message to them, a message kind of updating them on the different things that he's doing. Um, 
And so there, there is this precedence for having this back and forth, this, infor, uh, this, 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 this dialogue back and forth where we can both inform and encourage. Where we can, we can send this back and forth, so we can get information from people we are supporting, we can send information back to them, and we can each be encouraged by that. We see some, something similar uh, in, in Acts. Granted, the, the context is a little different, but in Acts chapter 11, news had spread uh, that, that Cornelius, a Gentile, had been uh, accepted, and so they asked questions about that. Peter goes to Jerusalem and reports to them all the things that had happened. Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas go on this missionary journey. They start in Antioch. They come back to Antioch. They report all the great things that have been done on that journey. Acts 21, Paul goes to the elders at Jerusalem, reports to them all the stuff that had been going on with the Gentiles there. And you know the end result of all of those discussions? After that happens, the response was glorifying God. Getting that information and being encouraged by that caused them to rejoice and glorify God in that relationship, having that, that back and forth. But in addition to uh, informing and encouraging, uh, we saw before uh, in, in the book of Colossians, if you look at chapter 1, that Paul was constantly praying for them. So there was prayer uh, from Paul's part uh, for the church. But then we also see in 2 Thessalonians 3 that Paul is the one requesting prayer. Now I'll admit in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul makes a point of the fact that he is not receiving contribution from them. But I think the point still stands that Paul is requesting prayers from those he is writing to. Paul is in need of, of, of prayers. There's a unity that comes in, in, in prayer that Paul desires. There's a sense in which we can truly rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn through prayer. That there is this strengthening that happens with the relationship between each other, but also the relationship with God through prayer. And when we are able to do this, we are able to encourage and glorify God as well. He specifically asks uh, that the gospel would continue to be spread. If you look at verses 1 through 5 of 2 Thessalonians 3. But he also asks for the physical safety uh, from men who, who, who meant Paul harm. But you see him asking for prayers. So as far as this relationship goes between a, a group that is, that is sending money to a particular evangelist and that and evangelist back to the group, there is this informing that is going on from both sides, encouraging from both sides, and prayers being made from both sides. But both of them pointing to the middle there, glorifying God. That's the end result. So, in an effort uh, to inform and encourage um, in an effort to strengthen uh, through, through prayer uh, and in an effort to glorify God, I would like uh, at this time uh, to spend the next few minutes, the remainder of, of, of this lesson, taking a look at um, some updates that we have received from men uh, that we support. I have printed off uh, these updates. They are in the back. If you would like a physical copy that has more detail than I'm going to present tonight, feel free to go back there uh, and look at it. But uh, we, we support... Um, Luke Chandler. Luke Chandler worships um, with the North Terrace Church down in Tampa, Florida. North Terrace is a bilingual congregation. Bilingual in, uh, they speak both English and Spanish. Um, and as you can imagine, that comes with its own set of challenges, being a part of a bilingual congregation. Because not only do you have a language barrier, but you also have a culture barrier. Uh, and and we, we might be tempted to think that there is like English-speaking culture and Spanish-speaking culture. But look, we know that even within English-speaking culture, there are cultures within that. Within Spanish-speaking cultures, there's uh, different cultures between that. And they have people from all over 
uh, Latin America attending at that particular congregation. I, it, it makes me think of uh, Acts chapter 11 in the church of Antioch. You got people from all over coming and worshiping in Antioch. So regardless of whether there was a language barrier there or not, there was the difficulty of having these different cultures together. Ephesians certainly talks about that. The church in Ephesus, the church in Rome, uh, certainly had these same uh, challenges and problems. However, um, Luke talks about in recent months that they have experienced great growth, uh, both spiritually and, and in number. He also mentions that uh, the preacher who had been there for the last few years uh, has retired, and, but a member has kind of stepped up and filled uh, in that role. Uh, he, he was once a preacher uh, before, but he's kind of taken on that role. So obviously we need to pray for Luke and the congregation for taking in a new preacher, right? Uh, that can be a difficult thing to do. If you want more details on that, just ask Bob how difficult that is. Um, but he says the arrangement has gone pretty well uh, and that they're going to continue this even, even to next, next fall. So I, if I read it right, I think for another year. He says that there's, there's plenty of reason to praise God and what they're doing. There's been two new baptisms recently. He also mentions that even in that growth that there hasn't been uh, divisive spirits. That's the way he phrased it. Uh, there hasn't been these divisive spirits, which is great. Um, there hasn't been people who are trying to take over and say, like, this is what, how we need to be doing it or anything like that. Uh, there has been internal peace. But nonetheless, his number one thing that he asks for us to pray for is, is unity. Um, as, as well as capitalizing on, on recent momentum that they have. Even though, even though they work well together, uh, the way in which they worship uh, is kind of difficult for some. Uh, to the point where some have left, uh, the, left North Terrace to worship elsewhere because of the difficulty of, of their worship service. I'll, I'll explain it. So being a bilingual congregation, uh, they sometimes sing in just English. They sometimes sing in just Spanish, or they'll, they'll sing in both. Or uh, like the PowerPoint that I have on the screen, they'll have an English version and then a Spanish translation directly underneath. Or they'll have the songs uh, up there and they'll have a Spanish translation directly underneath. Spanish speakers will have earpieces in and someone will be doing a live translation from the back. So they'll be sitting with everybody, but you'll, they'll hear uh, the, the, the Spanish translation going on. Obviously, obviously this isn't ideal. Um, however, and this is me speaking, not, not Luke. However, ideal isn't that they don't worship together anymore. Ideal isn't that they have separate meeting times for English and, and Spanish. No, ideal would be that they didn't rebel in Genesis 11 in the first place and we all spoke the same language. That would be ideal. No, but what we have now, what we must do now is trust, believe that God is glorified in our weaknesses. And so we need to pray for North Terrace that they continue to work and continue to be unified uh, and try their best to work together in this particular uh, arrangement. We also support uh, two men uh, who work in the country of Uganda and Africa. Uh, first one we'll talk about is Ezekiel Taliwabo Buambale. I've practiced that a few times. Um, he works with several different churches in Uganda. He participates in a, ro a radio program uh, where he preaches the gospel over the radio. He's been doing that for like seven years now, which is astounding to me. I can't imagine that ever being, ever working in today's world. I know 50, 60 years ago that might have been the method, but he says it's been highly successful. New congregations have started because they have heard the radio program. They've even had a, a new study opportunity where um, 
they're a, a, a church, a nearby group of people who have some doctrinal differences than they do, have reached out to him and said, hey, can we study the Bible with you? And so Ezekiel has chosen uh, four different men to kind of go over there and study with these people. Again, all because of using technology in, in, in a way that works around there. And we're very grateful uh, that, that, that that is the case. And we've rejoiced with him in the spread of the gospel there, specifically uh, five recent baptisms that have happened. We also rejoice uh, in the strength of the, the two congregations uh, that he has been working with. Um, he does ask for prayers, though. Um, oh, I'm a little behind. Uh, he does ask for prayers, though. Um, in, in this new study that I mentioned before, um, the church is made up of, a, of about 15 people, which is actually a decent-sized congregation. Um, and he says that there isn't a sound congregation in the area. And so, a successful study w- would go a long ways um, if, they're, if they're able to continue doing that. So we pray that there is success there. But we also rejoice in just the fact that the gospel is being spread, regardless of how it is received, uh, that the seed is being sown, and we're certainly grateful um, and thankful that Ezekiel is, is doing that. Um, he also asked that we would pray for their search for, for land, for a new building, uh, as well as finding the funds for that building uh, so they no longer have to rent. And then kind of going along with that, he asked that we would pray for a man by the name of Crispus Balak. Uh, He's a local preacher who's been traveling to different congregations uh, in different cultures, different areas. And he asked that we pray for his work. We pray for his safety and and his financial support uh, as well. We also uh, support uh, Emmanuel Mwizerwa. He works with a church in Uganda as well as a church in Rwanda, which is a country just south of Uganda. Uh, where he is in Uganda, he says that there are, are several Bible colleges around the area. Um, and he says they, they've done more harm than good. Um, they, he, he says that the, the, a lot of people just kind of send their children there or go there themselves because it just says Bible in the name, not really anticipating what it is that's actually being taught. Uh, and he says, this is his words, he says that it has produced a class of people who think they're more knowledgeable than they really are. It makes me think of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Where there is not love, knowledge is just a banging symbol, right? Um, and so he, he's, he uh, regards that as one of the challenges that he's facing. He does talk about in Rwanda, though, he's been able to meet with a church uh, who, is, who is practicing some things that the Bible doesn't authorize. However, uh, he's been able to worship with them, study with them. They've been extremely receptive to opening up the Bible and reading it and studying those things, and that's been going pretty well. He continues to worship and study with them. Uh, he's been encouraged uh, by a recent study in Uganda uh, of, of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and uh, he, he has said it's produced some interesting conversation, good discussions. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that he focuses on the most is questions regarding how do we deal with someone who is participating in sin versus someone who is living in sin. What do we do in those situations? And that's something 1 Corinthians talks about, right? How, how do we gently and patiently work with people who are sinning but want to be brought out versus people who are just deliberately going in an opposite direction? And so they've had some uh, good discussions uh, concerning that. And so we rejoice in the growth of understanding both in Uganda and in, and in Rwanda. 
But he asked that we would pray for the current government situation in Rwanda. Uh, Many churches in Rwanda um, have to meet in homes, uh, which is is fine, except uh, there have been some rowdy services of other congregations, louder services, to the point it's been such a distraction uh, that the Rwandan government has ordered that there be no church services in homes anymore. You are not allowed to worship in, in a home. You have to go to an outside building. So you've got to rent one or you've got to have one of your own. Well, they, they don't have that, and so they've, uh, they are searching uh, for a particular place for them, uh, for them to worship. Now, they have purchased land, but they have not been able to go much further than that due to, due to a lack of funds. And so he, he asked for prayers uh, in that pursuit as well, but certainly just for encouragement uh, f- for them as they kind of navigate that, that difficult governmental situation. Something that w- that's mentioned often here, and we don't even have to think about, and, th- and that's, a, that's a blessing. Uh, we also support uh, a man by the name of Joe Hickman. Uh, I, I think we, we know him pretty well. Um, he recently moved to Lincolnton, North Carolina. He works with the Lincoln Church of Christ uh, out there. As you can imagine, uh, moving is, is difficult. I have some personal experience with that recently. Uh, however, we can rejoice uh, with him in that he mentions just how helpful everyone has been. I also have personal experience with that. Um, how helpful people have been both in just the community but also in the church itself. He says, however, though, uh, he spent a lot of time with hospital visits. Not for himself, he wanted to make that clear, but for other people. It it feels as though all at once there's been illnesses, surgical procedures, and death. It's all kind of struck at once. So he spent a lot of time visiting people uh, in hospitals and things along those lines. But he's encouraged by studies that they've been able to have in their apartment complex, and he prays uh, that that continues to be successful. Obviously, we want to join him in that. Um, As I mentioned before, he especially rejoices over just the reception uh, since he's been there, the accommodation that everyone has has made for him. It it makes me think of Paul in several occasions in his letters makes like specific mention of individuals who have been helpful to him for like physical reasons, who have brought him things that he needs and things along those lines. And Joe rejoices in that. He He is grateful for that kind of reception. Uh, as well. Uh, but as he continues to grow uh, with this church, he specifically asked for, for wisdom, um, which was kind of striking to me. Um, Joe is a pretty wise individual. However, going to a new place, meeting new people, he says that he has been given a, a list of existing contacts. And I there's a sense in which, and perhaps y'all can relate, of just how uh, exhausting that might feel, overwhelming that might feel to get a stack of cards of people that you need to reach out to, who knows everybody else, and you're kind of cold calling, getting in there. And he, he just asked for wisdom that he might be able to treat these situations the way in which they need to be treated, um, uh, to, to, use, to use wisdom uh, to help as much as he can uh, in these situations. Uh, and, then, and then finally, obviously you've been able to tell this is not our entire list. For sake of time, I've kind of limited that. Um, we also support uh, Kyle Ellison. Uh, he lives in Mount Olive, Alabama, works with the Mount Olive Church of Christ. Many of you, uh, I believe, are familiar um, with that congregation. He says they too are, are studying through the uh, book of 1 Corinthians, and he's been encouraged by the growth within himself and just studying through it with them, but also within the congregation. 
He also talks about this, this great opportunity that he has uh, coming up. It hasn't started just yet. Uh, but to be able to study with a lady who is in uh, an Alabama penitentiary uh, right there, um, that door has opened up and he's extremely grateful for it. And so he asked for prayers that he m- that might be able to go well. He said he'll report back to us uh, whenever, whenever that starts. Um, by way of rejoicing, he says that there, there was an unexpected bill that came their way, some insurance problems. He didn't really go into detail, but he said that that bill was paid unexpectedly, um, that there was, uh, it was paid to such a degree that they had a, had a surplus. Um, if you've ever been in a financial situation where you don't really know how it's going to be uh, resolved, and then all of a sudden it does, I'm, the weight that is lifted in that, perhaps y'all can um, relate uh, to that in, in, in some degree. They were extremely grateful uh, for that. He's also happy to report that in, in a year, their numbers have gone from 20 uh, to 35. And to give some perspective on, on the percentage, if we were to grow in that degree, we'd be up to about 350. Frank would have to build us a new building. Um, that'd be huge growth. But what he, he attributes that to the members of that congregation are seeking uh, to spread the gospel. There's just outreach within, uh, just within the congregation, visitors who come by talking to them. But not only that, like going out to other places and spreading the gospel. Um, anytime we see that type of thing happening, we, we ought to be looking at ourselves. How can we do the same thing? When visitors come through our doors, I mean, that's like low-hanging fruit. They're, they're, they're presenting themselves to us. We need to be those talking to them, but then going out to other people and, 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 and doing the same. Um, he asks, as far as prayers are concerned, uh, he says their, their biggest need is, is to find qualified elders. It's interesting, you look throughout the book of Acts, and almost everywhere Paul goes, he is just, he's um, appointing elders. You see that in First and Second Timothy as he encourages Timothy. We see that in, uh, with Titus as well. Titus is encouraged to do the same thing. Elders are vital to a congregation. It's not to say one can exist without them, but it certainly helps to have qualified men. And so we ask for prayers uh, as, they, as they seek uh, to find that. Pray that there are men desiring to be elders within the congregation and, and that those who are perhaps not of age just yet would, would develop, would be seeking to develop in that, in that regard. So please pray for them uh, in that. Um, I, hope, I hope that you have been informed and encouraged. Um, I hope that you will pray for these men uh, and I hope that you will glorify God in the fellowship that we have with them uh, as well as the work that is going on, both from you all, from us, and uh, from them, that we might um, join them in that spreading of the gospel. And that really is the goal of this lesson. I want us to all be informed and encouraged by their work, uh, but specifically uh, by, by these men uh, that we've talked about tonight and the men that we support. But in an effort to strengthen our fellowship with them uh, and our fellowship with God, I do want to go to God uh, in prayer specifically for these men. So please join me. Uh, please join me in that. Our great God in heaven, Lord, we come to you at this time. God, we know that you have given us a task um, as your people to spread your word uh, out into this world. And that's a task that's not just reserved for a few, but reserved for all of us. But God, we are grateful for men who have chosen uh, to make that um, a part of of their daily lives. Um, And we're grateful, Lord, that Christians here are willing to support these men. They're willing to obey um, that command from you and, and help support men who are spreading the gospel. 
We'd like to pray uh, for Luke Chandler um, and for those worshiping at North Terrace Church. We pray for unity among that congregation. We pray, God, um, that it, things would continue as they are and that there are no divisive spirits, that, that people would be, be seeking to glorify you and have that as their ultimate goal. And even then when there are disagreements or, or discussions along those lines, that, God, unity would prevail and that they would seek uh, ways in which they can glorify you. We pray that English and Spanish speakers alike would seek cooperation and do their best to glorify you in that. Uh, we also pray for uh, Ezekiel in, in Uganda. Um, we pray, God, that you would be with him as they study uh, with, this, with this other congregation, um, that your word will be studied with open hearts, and that they would be receptive to the truth that is found in it. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would, you would help them in their efforts to find a, a new building, uh, to be able to find money for that building. But, we, God, we also pray that um, if that doesn't happen in the near future, that you would still provide them comfort and that they would still uh, have the heart and desire to serve you regardless of where they are. We pray that you would please be with um, a local preacher down there, Crispus Ballack, that you would please protect him in his work. You would please give him safety. You would give him uh, strength in the work that he is doing, that he would be supported as well. God, we pray for Emmanuel in Uganda and, and in Rwanda. We're grateful, God, for uh, the recent uh, discussions that, that have been able to ha happen uh, centered around your word in First and Second uh, Corinthians. We pray that more of that would happen. But God, we pray for the church in Rwanda and the difficult situation that they're in uh, and that they're not allowed uh, to work in, or, or worship in their homes anymore. Uh, we, we, we pray, Lord, that they would uh, be determined to obey you rather than man. Where that applies, God, please give them wisdom. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that as they seek uh, a building of their own uh, in which they can worship, uh, we pray, God, that they would be um, dedicated to you regardless of where they are and that they would be able to find those funds if it is, if it is your will. God, we pray for, for uh, Joe Hickman. We pray, God, that, you would, um, that he would continue to find comfort in the congregation there uh, and that he would work and, and work with wisdom uh, with that congregation. Bless him, Lord, as he seeks to glorify you and seeks to uh, provide help to members who are there uh, and, and also continue in evangelism uh, in that area. Please, God, bless him. Bless him with wisdom. God, we pray for uh, Kyle Ellison at Mount Olive. We pray, God, that you would please uh, bless him and his efforts, uh, particularly in this uh, study uh, with the lady who's in the Alabama uh, penitentiary. We pray, God, pray God that uh, that study would go well, that she would be receptive to the gospel, and that her life would be changed uh, because of you. And we pray that you would please be with Kyle as he spreads the word there. We also pray for the congregation uh, at, at Mount Olive. We pray that they would be able to find qualified men uh, who want to serve as elders. And that if, if, if that is in the near future, we pray, God, that they would uh, be determined to serve as elders ought to serve, uh, people who are willing uh, to put others first and seek uh, the, the, the benefit of the sheep and, and do their best to serve in that regard. And we pray that you will uh, help Kyle as he uh, attempts to navigate that as well. 
God, we also ask that you would please be with Bob and me in our efforts here at Oak Mountain, uh, that we would continue to encourage, bless us with wisdom, bless us in studies that we have um, outside of this congregation, that people would be receptive uh, to the gospel um, in those conversations as we, as we sit and open up your word. God, we pray that in all of this we have glorified you, that we have, we have opened up your word in an accurate way and we have discussed it uh, as such. And we pray, God, with all the men that we support, that you would please be with them. Uh, encourage them, strengthen them. Even when times are challenging, help them to seek you for comfort um, and, and for strength and determination as they continue to preach your word. Give us wisdom as we, as we do support men. May we do that in a good way. Be with the elders here as they do that. God, we pray that in all things you are glorified. We pray these things through Jesus' holy name. Amen.